Breadbox Media Programming is brought to you by Jack Kane Ford. Find your next Ford Tough vehicle at KaneFord.com. Woodhill Community Center. Have a hand in the heart of the city. Support their mission with your donations at WoodhillCommunityCenter.org. Toyota in Nicholasville Superstore. Online consultants are standing by right now to help you find your next Toyota. Visit ToyotaOnNicholasville.com. Lexus of Lexington, home of the best-selling Lexus IS. Find yours today at LexusOfLexington.com. Introducing the redesigned CatholicSingles.com, featuring new ways that put the spotlight on the person and their faith, not just a profile picture. For the past 20 years, faithful Catholics have used CatholicSingles.com, and the reimagined CatholicSingles.com website is ready to help single Catholics take the next step in sharing meaningful relationships with other faithful Catholics. Remember, CatholicSingles.com for faith, fellowship, and love. Welcome to the InScape podcast. The mission of InScape and our podcast is to help people discover, embrace, and live to the full their unique personal vocations. In this episode, I talk with Pat Molyneux, a Catholic businessman and ministry founder who is leading efforts in his business and in Catholic parishes to help people become aware of their unique potential and how to unleash it. We discuss how this kind of human formation is necessary for responding to the abuse crisis and problem of clericalism that now afflicts the Catholic Church. I'm Dr. Joshua Miller. The passion and calling of our guest today, Pat Molyneux, is to help multiply multipliers in the disciple-making space. Pat grew up Catholic, but strayed from the faith in his 20s. In 1998, he and his wife, Andrea, had a reversion to their Catholic faith and became very involved in evangelization. He has co-founded various Catholic lay apostolates over the past 18 years, including a men's ministry organization and the Pittsburgh chapter of Legatus. Most recently, Pat and a few friends co-founded the Human Formation Coalition, an ecumenical nonprofit that helps discern, unlock, and steward the God-given uniqueness of persons. Pat is the co-owner of Molino Tile Carpet and Wood, a chain of eight flooring stores in Metro Pittsburgh, a business devoted, as we will see, to human flourishing. Thank you so much for the opportunity to talk to you today about your work, your calling, and the many ministries that you've developed to help the Church and its people flourish. Well, thanks, Josh. It's great to be here, and I I just really support the great pioneering work that you and Luke are doing through Inscape, through your book, and through your development of the MCOR assessment tool. Appreciate the opportunity to share with you, Josh. Yeah, well, you're welcome. It's good, good to collaborate with you. I would like to begin, if I could, by asking you to share some of the highlights of your own testimony and uh, the mission that you now have to really help people flourish in a whole bunch of spaces, including business and different ministries as well. But give us uh, some of the highlights of your journey to Christ and your current calling. Yeah, so, so Josh, I grew up in a faithful Catholic family. My, my mother, she's still alive, really did a great job giving us some basic formation in the faith. And you know, always went to Mass, but, you know, in my 20s and actually in my 20s and late teens, I really wasn't living the faith at all. I was going through the motions and really never even prayed, didn't really have a relationship with the Lord. And then in my early 30s, after my wife and I were 
were married, we just really had an incredible encounter with the Lord, both of us. And we were evangelized by some evangelical Protestants who discipled us, brought us to the Lord and discipled us. And then we got connected with some incredible Catholic leaders, Manual Ministries, Ralph Martin, Peter Herbig, started to spend some time with them overseas and some of their formation. And, you know, really from the very beginning of our conversion, just really moved into a, a kind of a missional mode and started to create various ministries. We, myself and some friends, created a very robust men's ministry in Pittsburgh that would get, you know, its peak 2,000 men each year to an event, a one-day event. We'd have 50, 60 Bible studies throughout the diocese. And, and then also just some other outreach around Catholic business leaders. My wife and I were the co-founders of Legatus, which is Latin for ambassador. It's, a, it's an organization of Catholic business leaders. Mm-hmm. We the co-founders of that group back in 2010. And then, you know, really just trying to bring people into an encounter with the Lord, try to grow them as disciples, but got to the point where it was very frustrating because we felt like there was no vision. Uh, we weren't getting assistance on unleashing the human person into their missional calling and context, mm-hmm. whether that obviously in the family we there's there's great resources out there for for the family there's no no question in the catholic space but but especially in the marketplace you know what does all of life discipleship look like for a business leader or somebody that's in the marketplace how do you really embody the gospel in all aspects of your life so anyhow the result that kind of catalyzed this current ministry to leaders that you and i had uh is how i met you mm-hmm. so that's my history joshua <laughs> So what's the connection, Pat, between your own unique gifts and, and way of life, way of being, and these ministries that you've started around, around mission? What's the connection there? Yeah, so when we work with leaders at the Human Formation Coalition, which is a nonprofit organization myself and a few friends started to in this space, one of the tools that we use is based on Ephesians 4. Some are apostles, some are prophets, some are evangelists, some are shepherds, some are teachers. So there's there's five ministry styles that St. Paul talks about, and my style has always leaned more apostolic, meaning sent to create, to start, and then prophetic, which is to challenge the status quo. I'm really, really low in kind of the shepherding style. I have almost none of that. My wife does, thank God. <laughs> I can attest to that. You're, you're a great blend. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so anyhow, I, uh, that's who I am, and, and that's how I've been operating in my apostolate, in my ministry, and also in a certain sense in my business with my entrepreneurial uh, kind of sensibilities. The Lord has given me those gifts, you know, and we've been very successful in our business. So. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, with the MCOR, which is uh, you coached me and trained me in MCOR, Joshua, and my, my number one motivational theme is to uh, achieve potential. So when I walk into a, a Catholic church that's filled, all of the, I see just incredible latent energy in the pews people that imagine if those people could be unleashed into their missional calling and context, how powerful the church would be. One of the things that we talked about prior to beginning the podcast is your vision of how, at least in the Pittsburgh Archdiocese or diocese, there is, let's say, 100,000, maybe 140,000 active Catholics. And rather than see that as a deficiency, you emphasized the great potential that the church has. Would you talk more about your vision of the latent potential in the pews. Yeah, I'll, I'm going to tell you, I'll, I'll tell you that by telling you a story. So the neighboring diocese, Greensburg, Pennsylvania, the bishop out there asked me to come in and speak to his 
his chancery staff on how I try to live the gospel in my business life. My, you know, and so we had a conversation, or I had a presentation, and then after the presentation, he said, Pat, what do we got to do to call forth the gifts of the laity? And I said, Bishop, one thing, get out of the way. <laughs> and the whole place erupted because that's the kind of thing that the chancery staff hear from the people in the pews and i and i said you know and, I, and then i said no seriously i said look i said think about this there's fifty thousand people in the pews every sunday in this diocese jesus changed the world with 12 I said you have i said to the bishop you and his staff you have everything you need to renew greensburg already in the pews but the temptation is to not focus on what we have, but focus on what we don't have. So I challenged him. I said, my question for you is, how do you steward what you have mm-hmm. in the pews, the latent energy in the pews? So one of the things that is so uh, much a part of your mission now is full, robust formation. And we also talked prior to the beginning of the podcast about John Paul II's letter, I Will Give You Shepherds, and the Four Pillars of Formation. So talk about those four pillars of formation and what they are and the need we have to elevate those so that we can truly unleash the laity in the pews. Yeah, so as you know, Josh, when I started in this space, I, I started collaborating with an incredible organization out of the Pittsburgh, uh, the Pittsburgh Leadership Foundation, mm-hmm. and got some incredible formation from them. And we did some kind of experimentation with them around leadership. It was just an incredible experience for me, and that's how I met you. As I kind of evolved, what I learned was that as I researched it deeper and deeper, I started to study what Pope John Paul wrote about the formation of clergy in 1992, and he identified four pillars of formation. The spiritual, which is our relationship with the Lord. The intellectual, which is obvious. It's, you know, the the teachings of the church, the scriptures. The pastoral slash apostolic, which is our call to mission. And then the fourth dimension is the human formation piece. Who am I? How has God uniquely and wonderfully created me? And what I really sensed was that the fourth piece, the human piece, is where we drop the ball every time in the Catholic Church. We just don't know how to, to really form people around their humanity, their God-given uniqueness. Mm-hmm. So we really went deep into that. That's how I got so deeply involved with, with you and with Joe Cavanaugh out of Nebraska and some others. Mm-hmm. And so, so we decided to focus uh, very deeply on this human piece. You know, Aquinas wrote that grace builds on nature. And we believe our philosophy of leadership development is that you, you go deep, you start deep with the human person. Because mm-hmm. the temptation is to go right to the tips and tricks and the best practices. And frankly, I think that's part of the problem in the church, is that we go right to the, to the process but we leave out the human person. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that you've done is draw upon different assessments that help people go deep in understanding who they're uniquely made. You mentioned Strengths Finders with Joe Cavanaugh, the APEST assessment, getting at ministry styles that Alan Hurst developed, and the MCOR assessment that myself and others have developed. So what are some examples of you drawing on these assessments to help either pastors or lay people know themselves more deeply and therefore be unleashed to serve? I mean, honestly, I got to tell you, of all the ministry I've been in, I have never seen anything that had such a high return 
on invested time, money, and energy. It's low-hanging fruit. We do no human formation in the parishes, none. I don't know any parish that's do. I mean, there is Father Bob Steck, who you interviewed. He's, he's one of the few in this region. I'm talking, you know, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Michigan, where we do a lot of our work. And there's some parishes in Michigan that are doing some really interesting things. As a matter of fact, Joshua, we're training 30 coaches later this week up in Michigan. Mm, that's so I'm excited news. about that. Yeah. But I think that to really focus on the human piece is, I think, especially now, as a matter of fact, it's interesting. You know, this is where this is August uh, 20th. It was six days ago that the bombshell grand jury report was dropped in Pittsburgh. So I'm in Pittsburgh is ground zero of this atomic blast on the church. Mm-hmm. And I am just getting phone calls from friends. And But I was so inspired by the response that Pope Francis had. We got that letter today from the Vatican. And Joshua, one of the things he talked about was the temptation of clericalism in these ecclesial structures. Mm-hmm. And when we train coaches, we hit that head on. How do you hit that head on? Well, first of all, we use the language, because up until Francis came around, nobody would use that language. Only the fringe people would use that language. <laughs> now it's becoming part of the vocabulary. I mean, but, you know, I'll tell you, honestly, Joshua, the, what I find, and I shared this with you before we started the podcast, I'm in a relationship with a lot of Catholic CEO types because of Legatus, and I'm sorry, but some of my CEO friends, not all of them, but some of them, are some of the most clericalized people I know because they've been conditioned to pray, pay, and stay out of the way. Mm-hmm. You know, write a check, have your ears tickled, but forget about trying to embody the gospel and how you do business. Mm-hmm. That's not all of them, but it's some of them. And, and Legatus, Tom Monahan's doing great things to try to change that through Legatus. But anyhow, if you, when you start to help people understand who they are, that they are, you know, as, as Psalm 139 says, uniquely and fearfully made, wonderfully and fearfully made, I think that when they, when they realize that, then clericalism just by or organically is minimized. So we're seeing that in the parishes we work with, we are definitely seeing progress made where lay people are stepping into their baptismal mandate and uh, deploying their gifts into their mission fields. And mm-hmm. the pastors are getting out of the way and letting them do it. It's beautiful when that happens. The Second Vatican Council gave us such clear teaching on how laity have the baptismal call to holiness and are called to sanctify the world through their gifts that have been baptized. Tell us a bit about how you do that in the business space. Yeah, so as you notice through the thread of this little interview, I shared with you that I, my, my real heart and my real passion is to take the gospel out beyond the parish walls. And the only reason I kind of wind up working with parishes and pastors is because I just felt like they weren't getting that kind of formation. I mean, really, the parish should be a center of equipping people to embody the gospel, to renew and perfect the temporal order beyond parish walls. So I have been in the last several years in the business, and actually PLF, Pittsburgh Leadership Foundation, helped me a lot in this space. But, you know, how do we really embody the gospel in at Molyneux? And I always say that... Um, Molino is in the human flourishing business. I know, by the way, we sell flooring. You know, we have a chain of eight flooring stores that listeners may not know that. But mm-hmm. in Pittsburgh, we have a chain of eight flooring stores. And in our vision statement, our kind of great purpose is, you know, to bring beauty and joy to all that we touch, mm-hmm. all the, all the, which means projects, but also people. And, you know, so I like Tim Keller's definition of leadership, where he talks about 
Adam and Eve were given dominion but not ownership of the, of the earth's resources. And I look at myself as a leader, as someone who is given kind of a stewardship responsibility for my people. Mm-hmm. And it's a totally different perspective, something that uh, you won't hear from the MBA schools, where it's about, you know, objectification. So, so often in, in business context, employees as well as customers are used as simply opportunities to drive profit. And your approach, as you've just articulated and I've seen over the years, is to serve your customers wonderfully so they can, you know, of course, experience beauty and experience love and great service through your people. But your employees as well, you emphasize helping them flourish and become more of who they're created to be. Please give some more examples of how that happens. Yeah, at yeah just I'll give you an example. So one of the guys actually was coached by Terry Tim through your MCOR. I talked to him three days ago or just three hours ago. And uh, I said to him, he's a great uh, employee in our operations area. And I said to him, how are we doing for you? Are you in your zone? Mm. Do you feel like your gifts are being deployed the way they should be? And he said, absolutely. He said, I was just telling my wife, I feel like I'm in my zone with you. So as an owner, uh, when you really pay attention to the God-given uniqueness in the human person and create the conditions for those persons to flourish, I think that it's a competitive advantage. <laughs> Not only are you embodying the gospel, but I believe it, it gives you an advantage over your competition. And um, so we've only been at it now, honestly, Joshua, for you know two or three years. What's been some of the fruit of you equipping leaders in your own business to be coaches? Yeah, I think that anytime you do any kind of human formation coaching, we break free from this kind of self-referential paradigm that's so common in the culture. Mm-hmm. So we start to pay attention to the uniqueness. Joshua, will you talk about the wonder, how we can create a culture of wonder and amazement at, at the uniqueness of, of the other person. So mm-hmm. that's, I think, what happens. I think when you start to really deploy these tools in an organizational context, we start to really pay attention to the other person. And honestly, for me, I will tell you that the whole process and the way we do it with our teams and we do team coaching using your tools, it really expands my capacity to to love my employees in ways that I didn't before. I mean, Mm -hmm. so, you know, like I have some of my weakness areas. I'm very weak in the, I'm strong in influencing and strategic thinking, but I'm very weak in the execution domains of strength finders. So, so what happens is when the people who are the high executing people normally up until my training and coaching would really just kind of annoy me because I never understood them. <laughs> but, now, but, but after I went through the coach training and I got coached myself, I started to, to really appreciate how, you know, the God-given uniqueness of those persons. Mm-hmm. And so we really built, uh, you know, Joshua, they're, they're, as you know, there's no well-rounded leaders, only well-rounded leadership teams. Mm-hmm. And that is not what the culture tells us. The culture tells us that we need to have well-rounded leaders. But really what we really need is, is our leaders that have humility and mutual interdependence. So what you're describing, at least in, in two fundamental ways, you're talking about seeing and understanding people more deeply 
enabling you to love them more deeply, but also putting them in the zone, in the, in the words of your employee. But you're also talking about how an understanding of one another's gifts mutually enables great collaboration among your leadership teams, if I hear correctly. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, what's interesting, Joshua, is in my business context, I would have never realized the benefit of all this if I had not done it in these parish contexts. Hmm. And, yeah, you would know, you talk a bit about that, that kind of complementarity between the work that you're doing in business and what you're drawing from your work with, with parishes? I mean, I, if you can help parishes become healthier organizations, I think you can help any organization become healthier, hmm. truthfully. So, 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 yeah, there's complementarity. And, and here's the other thing. I think that these parishes, when they can embody organizational health that honors the human person, they can then, through their members, transmit that out into the temporal order. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense, John? It absolutely does. The, the parish ought to be a place where people are sent forth from to sanctify the world. Yeah. One Amen. of the things we talked about prior to the podcast, but we sprinkled discussion about it throughout here the last 20 minutes or so, is this recent crisis uh, that we're in. And so it's August 20th. It's uh, six days after the Pennsylvania Grand Jury Report. And there's ongoing reports about Washington Archdiocese and stories of Archbishop McCarrick. Several people have spoken in the press lately about the need for the laity to rise up in their baptismal call to holiness and be the, the each one a unique saint he or she is called to be. So would you talk more in closing here about the connection between the human formation work that you're doing and response to the spiritual crisis that we're in right now as a, as a Catholic church? Yeah. You know, I think that obviously the sexual sin and the, and the perversion, I mean, I don't need to say anything about that. We know how bad that is. But, but I believe that the cover-up and really the lack of transparency, because, I mean, look, this is, we're just dealing with the abuse of minors now, and you know what's coming next. What's coming next is the abuse of seminarians, the abuse of young priests, and then there's also the financial malfeasance that's out there in a lot of these ecclesial structures, these Catholic structures. Francis talks about this culture of secrecy, this culture of cover-up. It's really the evil of clericalism, Joshua, mm-hmm. where we know best. You know, when father knows best, the kids never need to grow up, you know. So I think that, you know, human formation well done is the best response to clericalism, mm-hmm. I believe. So I believe that the work that we're doing in this space, I mean, we're already getting, honestly, more kind of interest than we really have capacity at this point. So I believe that there will be a, an awakening to a more robust vision for human formation when the dust settles. Because if you really have healthy, mutually codependent relationships, and if the bishops are really calling forth the gifts of the laity, we wouldn't have had this cover-up. We wouldn't have had these problems. What do you mean by that? I, I guess I mean that... It's been a closed kind of culture in these chancery structures. And there are such incredibly gifted lay people that if they were brought to the table and there was really a, a culture of openness, of mutual appreciation of gifts, mutual appreciation of perspectives, God only knows what the church could be. Mm-hmm. So, I, so I, I, I believe this in my heart of hearts. You know, it's funny because I, your, your, your partner, Luke Burgess, sent me a text on the 15th, the day after this 
and I was, you know, in the dump at that point because because <laughs> it was just so ugly, all the media. But he said to me something that was so profound. He said, you know, Pat, I think Pittsburgh has the richest soil right now of anywhere in, in North America, meaning that uh, the, the scripture that I think about a lot these days is Hosea 5.15, where the prophet said, in their misery, they shall seek the Lord. Mm. <laughs> you know, so pain, we need it. I mean, let's, let's face it. Bishop Robert Barron talks about this. I mean, we are really going through a, a cleansing period right now that is so necessary. So honestly, I'm in the middle of this ground zero of this atomic blast on the church. But I got to tell you, I have never been more optimistic, especially when I read how Pope Francis called out the clericalism issue and mm. related issues in his letter today and his response. So I believe we are on the cusp of something that's great through this, out of the ashes. That's a, a, a beautiful closing thought out of the dust, out of the ashes will come forth life. Any closing word that you have for us, Pat, who are either laity or clergy who deeply, deeply desire a church that honors each unique person, where each unique person can flourish? Yes, I believe that I want to really encourage people to really press into a more robust vision of human formation. I believe what you and Luke are doing with Inscape is really cutting edge, Joshua. And I think that I'm seeing more and more and more lay people in a kind of a pioneering mode in this personal vocation, human formation space. Like I said, I mean, honestly, I can't, I can barely keep up with the requests and, you know, various opportunities that we have. So I've had to really be very discerning and and prudent in how I spend my time in, in my ministry. Mm-hmm. So I would just say, you know, that's it. Just pay attention to the human formation piece. Go read Pastor Vobus, uh, Debo Vobus, uh, paragraphs 43 on. There's also some really good stuff the USCC put out. I mean, I, look, it's, it's, an, it's an inscape. I mean, Joshua, your website and your podcasts are really, I think, a great resource. Mm. So. Well, Pat, it's been uh, great to talk to you, and I'm looking forward to future collaboration, more and more of it, as uh, we, we labor for Christ and His Church. Thank you. Great. Thanks, Joshua. God bless you. Romans 8:28 is a favorite of mine. We know that in everything, God works for good with those who love Him, who are called according to His purpose. Let us pray that the Lord use the suffering from clerical abuse and cover-up to awaken those millions of Catholics whose unique callings have never been named or cultivated, and who, as Pat has just shared, have vast untapped potential, ready to be unleashed for the church and the world. Thank you for listening to this Inscape podcast. To learn more about Inscape, the new book I've recently co-authored with Luke Burgess called Unrepeatable, Cultivating the Unique Calling of Every Person, our workbook, Unrepeatable Life, an eight-week program for discerning personal vocation, along with many other resources to support the cultivation of personal vocation, please go to InscapeVocations.com. Thank you for listening to Breadbox Media. Find more about us at breadboxmedia.com.